You know, I... Uh, not really sure where to start exactly this morning. I just feel like... Um, I want to talk a little bit about gifts. It's Christmas coming up. Talk about gifts and talk about love. I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians and I'm going to let Paul's reflections be the foundation of what we talk about this morning. I'm aware that sometimes um, um, when we read a fair few verses, sometimes it's easy to tune out and go, okay, yeah, we've heard that before, or um, what are you going to say about it? Or, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. I, I can find myself sometimes spacing out. So I, if you want, you could you could pull up your device and have it in front of you. We'll put it on the screen too, but if, if that was helpful, I'm going to going to read from 1 Corinthians 12 in the Amplified, and we're going to read a, a lot of it, and we're going to probably move into also 13 as well. So, um, And then I just thought, this is, um, this is Paul uh, preaching a message, and so I thought, well, I'll just give some thoughts about my journey with this passage and um, my personal reflection on that, and maybe you have some, some more or some reflections on the things that that are going for me. I, I don't feel like um, I don't feel like it's complete this morning, nor do I feel like I'm complete. Uh, but um, and I think it's okay to remind myself of that regularly. Uh, and as I read through this, some some things stood out to me and took me on a bit of a journey. And so we'll hang out in First Corinthians twelve. But I have to say. Uh, all of this and all of this um, this morning and all of this experience or of of this morning probably starts with needing to have a revelation of his love this morning this, that was a heart for you this morning even as we prayed and as we set this set the tone as the worship guys sang and as we woke up yeah as I woke up this morning my feet hit the floor and I just I just said Lord I just need your love yeah otherwise this is useless this conversation is useless and i need your love to fill me i need it i need it for the energy that i need today i need it for the uh so the passion i need it for the hope that i need you know to carry on i need your love i need a revelation of your love and and so i gotta i gotta say i think i think corinthians 12 needs to be sandwiched in in love and of course uh uh, it moves on to 1 Corinthians 13, which we know is the love chapter. So uh, but I just thought I'd start by reflecting and saying that we do need a revelation of God's love. And if, if, that's, a, if that's a mystery to you or uh, difficult to reach for this morning, even in thought, just, just throw up a little prayer this morning. It says, sure, I, I'll receive your love this morning, Jesus. Yeah. So could I just do that for us, with us, together? Father, we just need your love this morning. We need a revelation and understanding, uh, uh, an awareness. Of your love and your, your, your love for us, for me. 
I just want to say thank you for it. Thank you for a rising awareness of your love this morning. Thank you already for what your love's going to do this morning, this week. Thank you for what your love has done already. Thank you the way your love binds us together and brings us together in this place. Thanks for each one that you've brought into our family. Yeah. We're grateful. All right. First Corinthians 12. Jesus, use your word this morning to speak to us. All right. It says this. It, can, it gets a bit wordy here, but stick with me through the thoughts. Imagine that Paul is preaching at us here. Now, about the spiritual gift, about the spiritual gifts, the special endowments given by the Holy Spirit. Brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led off to speechless idols. However, uh, you were led off, whether by impulse or habit. Therefore, I want you to know that no one speaking by the power and influence of the Spirit of God can say, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is my Lord, except by the power and influence of the Holy Spirit. It's a great, it's a great context. If you're wondering, if you're wondering, those proclaiming the Lord, you know... Um, no one can say it without the power of the Holy Spirit. Nobody can actually mean it and let it be true. So that's kind of, that's a, that's a great opening. Now, okay, now there are distinctive varieties of spiritual gifts, special abilities given by the grace and extraordinary power of the Holy Spirit operating in believers. But it is the same Spirit who grants them and empowers believers. And there are distinctive varieties in ministries and service, but it is the same Lord who is served. And there are distinctive ways of working to accomplish things, but it's the same God who produces all things in all believers, inspiring, energizing, and empowering them. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, the spiritual illumination and the enabling of the Holy Spirit for the common good. It that struck me, that, that phrase. It was given for the common good. Well, what's the common good? For my good? No. The common good is us, right? The common good is for people. Yeah. It struck me because I was like, oh, he's given me, a, he's given a gift for the common good. So already he's starting to say, the gift is given to you, but it's not for you. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not really, it's not about you. It's about the common good, right? Which is the us or the church, yes, and, and for people. I, I just like that. Um, made me, it made me start to, um, yeah, anyway, we'll move on. Two, one is um, on verse eight. To one is given through the Holy Spirit the power to speak. And so he's going to go into a list of a few things that the Holy Spirit can give to one is given through the Holy Spirit the power to speak the message of wisdom to another the power to express the word of knowledge and understanding according to the same spirit 
to another, wonder-working faith is given by the same Holy Spirit. And to another, the extraordinary gifts of healing by the one Spirit. And to another, the working of the miracles. And to another, prophecy, foretelling the future and message of God to the people. And to another, discernment of spirits. The ability to distinguish sound, godly doctrine from the deceptive doctrine of man-made religions and cults. To another, various kinds of unknown tongues. And to another, interpretation of these tongues. All these things, the gifts, the achievements, the abilities, the empowering, are brought about by one and the same Holy Spirit, distributing to each one individually as he chooses. We're going to come back to verse 11 here, but let's just move on. So then now he moves on and, he's, and, he, and he says, all right, so we've got a bunch of gifts and they're given to God's people. He, and he distributes them how he wants. And um, it, it took me, um, that, that, that Holy Spirit distributing to each one individual as he chooses, that suddenly triggered something for me, and I remembered a, a parable. So if you wanted, we could jump over to Matthew chapter 20. And we'll just glance at it because we won't, we won't take the whole time because I'm taking the time to read through the others. <laughs> But Matthew chapter 20, uh, verse 1 to 16, uh, lays out a quick parable. And Jesus tells a quick parable. And he says, um, you know, there's workers in a field, and, and, and he's agreed to pay them a dollar a day or whatever the agreement is, uh, one denarius. And, uh, and they work for the day, and then he goes out, and he finds some at noon, and he finds some more guys who didn't have any job. Didn't have a job for the day. He says, come work in my field. And then he uh, comes, goes out again at 3 and then again at 5. And he pulls them in. And then when evening comes, they all line up to get paid. And, and he pays them all equally. Yeah? And you imagine how the guys from 9 to 5, you know, felt about the guys who came in for an hour and made some money. Right? And so they get a bit bitter. And they say, um, when they received it, they protested and grumbled at the owner of the estate. This is in ver verse 11. These men came and worked, you know, worked late, and we've, we've, been, we've been working. But the owner of the estate in 13 says, replied to them, Friend, I'm doing you no injustice. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. But I chose to give this last man uh, hired the same as I give you. I'm, am I lo not lawfully permitted to do what I choose w with what is mine? Or is your eye envious because I am generous? So those who are last in the world shall be first in the world, and, the, and those who are first shall be last. Now, I was challenged with this because I felt like the Lord took me there, and this is a personal challenge for me. You know, like, like drawing the parallel between these two verses is unique, I would say. I felt unique to me because he's not – but, but what, what I wanted to do is uh, – or what I felt like he's doing is highlighting his heart. I give how I want. I lay out the gifts how I want. And I don't do it for you. I do it for the common good. Do you know what I mean? This is God's heart. And I can do with what I, I choose with whatever I have. And I, I don't know about you, but um, I've grown up long enough to be around all sorts of different gifts and all sorts of different levels of gifts and all sorts of different favor that people have on their life from God. I, and, and some of you know what I'm talking about. Like we've, we've been around... Um, the church long enough we've seen lots of different things and I, and and for me i know that as a um even even as a 
as a leader, I can quickly feel insecure a lot of times in a place. I can quickly feel like, oh, man, I don't, I don't have the gifts needed here. You know what I mean? I, I can do this over here, but I can't do that. Or, Jesus, why have you given this gift to this person and not to me? Or, gosh, it seems like I could use that gift. You know what I mean? And, it's, and I, I, I feel challenged by the reflection in Matthew 20 uh, where Jesus comes and says, hey, what, what are you complaining about? <laughs> I've given you what I've given you. And so then it, it spun me all the way back to Corinthians 12 again. And now we're, now we're up in verse 12. For just as the body is one and yet has many parts, and the parts through many form only one body, so it is with Christ. For by one Holy Spirit we were all baptized into one body, spiritually transformed and united together. Whether Jews or Greeks, Gentiles, slave or free, we're all made to drink of one Holy Spirit, since the same Holy Spirit fills each life. For the human body does not consist of one part, but of many limbs and organs. If the foot says, because I'm not a hand, I'm not part of the body, is it not contrary? Is it not on the contrary still part of the body? If the ear says, because I'm not an eye, I'm not part of the body. I don't know about you, but if I'm not careful, I'll, I'll miss out on these, these pictures. Because um, how often do I say, I'm not... I'm not like that. I'm not like that person. They're, they should do things. I don't belong here, or I don't fit, or I don't know where I fit, or I don't know how this works. We got to bring it. We got to. We the the imagery is good, but if we get stuck in the imagery, we won't. For, we forget that there's a real personal reflection. And for me, I I know. I know oftentimes because when. It's not about the common good when his gifts are about me. I can't see this picture he's painting, this body picture he's painting. And I felt, I felt challenged by that just personally again. If the whole body were an eye, would there, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But now as things really are, God has placed and arranged the parts in the body, each one of them, just as he will and saw fit with the best balance of function. If they were all a single organ, where would the rest of the body be? I'll never forget Brad's message. I must have been, I must have been 18 or 17. You did a message on this passage. And Brad paints a picture of a, uh, what if we were all an eye? I just remember, I just never forget. What if we were all an eye? And he paints this picture of this big giant ball of eye rolling around. And just multiple, everyone's just an eye. That's all we were. We were all just smashed together, rolling around like an eye. Like, what kind of a monster would we be? This doesn't make any sense. It doesn't, it doesn't fit. And yet, and yet there's, this, there's this desire, and it comes here at the end, he talks about. But now, as things are, um, God has placed and arranged the parts of the body, each one of them, just as he willed and saw fit, with the best balance of function. If they were all a single organ, where would the rest of the body be? But now things... Uh, really are there, uh, or, but now as things really are, there are many parts, different limbs and organs, but a single body. The eye cannot say, "I have no need of you," to the hand, or nor the head to the feet, "I have no need of you." But quite the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are absolutely necessary. And as for those parts of the body which we consider less honorable, these we treat with greater honor, and our less presentable parts are treated with greater modesty. 
while our more presentable parts don't require it. But God has combined the whole uh, body, giving greater honor to the part which lacks it. So there'd be no division or discord in the body. That is lack of adaptation. Um, there would be no division or discord in the body. That is a la- lack of adaptation of the parts to each other. But that the parts may have the same concern for one another. And this is really cool. But, and if one member suffers, all the parts share in the suffering. If one member is honored, all rejoice with it. And so you, now you, collectively, are Christ's body. And individually, you are members of it, each with your own special purpose and function. So God has appointed and placed in the church for his own use. Apostles chosen by Christ, prophets who foretell the future, and those who speak a new message from God to the people. Third, teachers. Then to those who work miracles and to the gifts of healing, the helpers, administrators, speakers in various kinds of tongues. All Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpretly? But earnestly desire and strive for greater gifts if acquiring them is going to be your goal. The message says... Um, the message right there. I'm going to read it so I don't mess it up. The message says, and yet some of you keep competing for so-called important parts. Even in my heart, I compete for important parts. You know, I've learned some, somewhat of the rules of uh, humble living in your gifts. I, I know how the, some of the rules work, like how I shouldn't wish to be something and I'm not, and I should... You know what I mean? And so I've learned some of the language, and even even there I can hide sort of behind it. But, like, there's this desire in me to compete for so-called important parts. And I do that when I don't see gifts given to me as for the common good. I don't see the dollar paid to me for working all day as provision for me. And, hey, how awesome is it that he's provided for that dude who didn't have a job? Right? I don't I can't see that when it's just about me, right? I see the orphan in the, the, the workers that didn't get paid enough. I see the orphan in me when I look at the gifts that God has given to everyone else around me and I think, well, mine aren't important or mine don't belong or mine don't fit. He said he's actually given it to us so that when I look at Ash and I say, Oh, Ash has this beautiful gift, then I have it too. Because I have Ash. You know, it just started to lift in me like, oh man, like what if, what if I could see myself as having ash and I have the gift and I don't need to be worried about what I don't have. You know, for me, it's like, it's like I, uh, one of the things that I feel like the Lord has said to me and confirmed a lot of times is just that the, the gift or son of encouragement, you know, people have said that my whole life. You're an encourager and a builder of people and a builder into people and you just love and deeply care for people and you're an encourager and that's who you are, right? When that gift becomes about me, (laughs) I so often find myself lacking the ability to encourage, first of all. The gift loses its punch. But even when when I do use it, um, I use it for me. 
and encourage people so they feel good, so that they tell me they feel good, and then they'll make me feel good. And you know what I mean? And it becomes about me. It's not for the common good. It becomes about me, and it gets, gets twisted a lot. And I felt like the Lord reminded me of that again, and I was like, well, if you're reminding me again, we must be there again, which breaks my heart a little bit. But this is the journey that I'm on, again, to remember, well, what are the things? Have you ever, do you know the things? Do you know the gifts God's put on your life? It's okay if you don't. It's okay if you don't, but it's a good question to start asking. What are the things God has given me? And why would he have given, and you know, my, my, my heart today is to say, well, why would he have given them to you? He's given them to you for a reason. He's given them to you for the common good. Some of you can keep competing for the more important parts, though, he says. And yet I will show you a more excellent way. One of the choicest graces and highest of them all. Unselfish love. And then he turns, we turn somehow separately to 1 Corinthians 13, which doesn't do its service because really these should blend together. Because if I have these gifts, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love for others, growing, growing out of God's love for me, which is why we wanted to start there this morning, I need a revelation of God's love. I can't love without his love in me. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, if I have all these gifts, that's what he's saying, then, then, uh, but have not love, then I have become only a noisy gong or a clanging symbol, just an annoying distraction. And if I have the gift of prophecy and speak a new message from God to the people, if I understand all mysteries and possess all knowledge, if I have sufficient faith so I can move mountains, but I don't have love reaching out to others, I'm nothing. If I give all my possessions to feed the poor, if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it does me no good at all. I forget what I was reading or listening to the other day, but they were talking about a a man of great faith and uh was it in slavery to sonship or I, I forget. Um but he was talking about a preacher man who had great faith and traveled the world and saw great miracles, but he he only had a revelation of God's love at maybe it was Kulianus. He only had a revelation of God's love at eighty. Yeah. Is it in sonship? Yeah. Was only, he was only in his 80s before he had a revelation of God's love and he realized that all his gifts you know, for all the things God used and did what he wanted to do but this man did not, you know, could not receive and, and ultimately it would have handicapped his mission as well because it's just noise then. And then he goes on and we know, we know, we know this part. You know, it's patient, kind, doesn't envy, doesn't boast, he's not rude and not proud. He goes on. For if uh, what does he say? Yeah, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Prophecies will pass away as for tongues they'll cease, as for gifts of knowledge it will pass away, for we know in part and prophesy in part. 
for our knowledge is fragmentary and incomplete. But when that which is complete and perfect comes, that which is incomplete and partial will pass away. Then at the very end of the 1 Corinthians 13, he says, now, now there remain faith, abiding trust in God and his promises, hope, confident expectation of eternal salvation and love, unselfish love for others, growing out of God's love for me. And these three, the choicest graces, but the greatest of these is love. I, um, I realize that for me... Um, there's still something in me that wants gifts to serve me. <laughs> I don't know if you can relate to that. Um, your gifts need to serve me, and my gifts need to serve me, and somehow if it can be about me, this is how we're built. This is how children are built. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. I feel like he's trying to get me to do away with childish thinking again. <sighs> Archie was hanging on Ben's back, throwing fireballs at me during worship. I'm like, alright, throw them fireballs, boy. Give me those, give me the fire. I need this love. Yeah. I need this love. I need to put away this childish thinking. I um, have a part. And my part isn't overly significant. It's just a part. And it's this fine line between understanding that I have a role to play and everyone has a role to play. And it's only valuable. Like one kidney sitting on the ground doesn't do us any good. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's totally useless. The kidney running off to be like, hey, I'm awesome. You know, like, it just, it like almost doesn't make any sense. Yeah? Yeah. And we spend a lot of time looking around at powerful gifts or strong gifts that, that front us or things that are shown and we say, that's a gift and I'm, I'm not or I don't know what mine is. But I wonder if today, like, if in a revelation of God's love, I could see my myself as a contributor and a and a gift giver and actually when I don't bring my gifts to the table I I don't uh, I'm not part of the body I don't contribute to the body and so if we're what if we're a church walking around without a kidney do you know what I mean it'll work ish yeah but like what if even in this room, even as today, what if there's a, you know, what if there's a reasonably complete body here that could function and I don't see myself as playing a part in that and so um, I'll miss out on that. Yeah. And, and in all contexts of life at the moment in this family, it just feels like, man, we need a revelation of God's love again that would say, I'm not just the receiver of three or four strong gifts but there's a gift in me and there's something in me that God's trying to rise up and say, hey, this is a part of this piece. There's a, there's a piece for you to play. And for those of us who play a role in this family, I mean, there's a revelation for me here that says, um, play your role. And don't worry about trying to be something else or be something more. Receive the more from the gifts that I've given to the people around you. Yeah. 
I don't know. It feels like at the moment we're headed into summer and a few different, um, I don't know, everyone's kind of going different ways or doing different things. And I just, my heart for us is that we would remember um, uh, that we are family and we would be able to walk with each other and care deeply for each other in spite of whatever this next season has for us, that we would um, be those that encourage and call out and draw out the gifts of people around us and that we would be... um, yeah, those who can, um, yeah, just be a, I guess this morning my heart was just that we'd be those who could be a sponge for the love of God so that we could then walk in the things he's called us to and see ourselves as contributors to this family. Yeah, so that's my encouragement to you. Why don't we have some discussions? We'll get together. You know, what the what are the questions? I mean, the questions are, you know, you could, you could ask, you know, um, well, you could ask lots of different questions about this passage, but maybe just maybe just get into um, Corinthians 12 and what stood out to you and what impacts you from this. Where where do you see yourself and um, in in these pictures? Do you see yourself as a contributor? What what stops us from seeing that? What gets in the way of us seeing our place and what's been your experience? experience along the way so anyway we'll get into groups and then we'll come back and we'll digest some more but i love you a lot i love you a lot and i love the journey that he's got us on and i know that he's just looking for sponges that would be willing to soak up his love that we would be a family that would pour out his love and that would weep and and be victorious together and and walk a journey together i just know that he's called us to that and so it's a privilege to be with you this morning thanks Thanks for hanging out in my ramblings and yeah, let's make it a, let's turn it into a, yeah, good combo. So we'll take, we'll take uh, 15 here. So. All right. Well, I trust you, trust you had some good chats there. I don't know. There's a lot of thoughts going on for me out of, out of this passage this morning, out of the things Curtis is sharing. Thank you for bring some truth from your journey and the things you're processing that's uh that's a real benefit i mean it's an interesting idea to to focus on or see you know how the person that i've been made to be in the life that i've been given can contribute or serve something bigger than me yeah that's a that's a very powerful idea yeah i think there's a a hinging bit sort of in the in the last verse that you read that you know, talked about an unselfish love growing out of a love God has for me. You know, I was thinking about it as I was driving in, uh, you know, Leela and I had a bit of a, a bit of a rough morning, I guess. Um, got up, Leela's been up since, I don't know, 3.30 or something. Ella got up and she just couldn't get back. Ella got back to sleep, but Leela didn't. And, uh, we both kind of woke up tired this morning and I was like, oh, do you think you're up for coming today? And she said, oh, I'm just not sure. And so I think maybe I just need to stay home and catch my breath or I'm just going to be behind all week long. And it was like, you know, I, I had led by saying, you know, um, maybe you need to stay home. But when she said, I think I'm going to stay home, it was like something came up for me that I don't want to go to church alone. I like it better when Leela and Ella are here. The morning's going to miss something. And it's like, 
you know, there's a part of me that's made for an unselfish love for Leela and Ella that goes, I want you to have what you need. But to live in that, I've got to deal with the parts of me that make a selfish request of people around me for what I require. And so I was, I was like, Leela, I just feel really sad that you're not coming. Like, that's where it started. And she's like, well, that feels like a really extreme response. And it was, and it was. And for me, that comes out of a story that, you know, there was a season where, you know, Leela, Leela really bottomed out in her journey and needed some space from church and wasn't coming to church. And I was on staff at a church and speaking and leading, and I didn't have the option not to go. And, you know, showing up alone to church and explaining why Leela wasn't there week after week was a really painful and difficult thing for me that I just felt like I had to push through. And this morning wasn't really about this morning. You know, it was like this pain from this season of eight years ago came rushing at me. And it plays out like this morning's emotional experience. Do you know what I mean? Like I wasn't thinking, oh, this hurts from yesterday. I was thinking, I feel like Leela's hurting me this morning and I need her to come to church so that I don't have to hurt. I don't know if that makes sense. But the connection in this, I guess, is, you know, I got into the car and I said to Leela, it's okay for you not to come. Obviously she came. But, uh, you know, I got into the car and I was driving here and I was like, God, I just need you to meet me in this part that feels like I don't want to go to church alone. You know, and he said, took me back to the season. took me back to the season where, uh, you know, that was real. And he said, um, he's, he said, um, you know, the things of greatest love come when, when we are able to walk through something painful that gives to someone who needs. Self-sacrificing love is the place where we hurt. for someone else. And yeah, I didn't do a very good job of that this morning uh, because I got stuck in what I needed. But the cool thing about the passage that you're sharing this morning, Curtis, is it gives us an option. You know, it suggests that my gifts can serve the plans and purposes of God when I find myself in an increasing experience of God's love meeting me in my moment of need and providing me what I require. And from there, I don't have to look to Leela or to Ella or to this community of people to cause me not to feel alone this morning at church because in the car, I got the love that I needed and I don't have to show up to church feeling alone. And from there, we're able to be about something that's bigger than ourselves. And I think the powerful thing in what you're sharing this morning, Curtis, is, you know, sorry we do have a source you know we do have a place that we can take what we need and we will receive from here you know and the the thing that you're talking about around gifts you know I was thinking about this this week um there's this place of uh you know the phrase came to me some time ago and I think I've spoken on it maybe a couple of years ago that you know when I don't need my gifts anymore then God can have them 
you know, but when I'm using my gifts for myself to get what I need, they're already occupied. And I was thinking about this phrase this, this week about things of power. Things of power aren't handed to people who aren't ready for them. Like think about a 12-year-old and a car license. It's just not appropriate, right? There's a degree of maturity that needs to emerge and a, and a skill and an equipping and empowering and a training that needs to emerge in the life of a person so that they can handle something powerful like a car. You know, and that autonomy comes through a process of maturing, gaining character, gaining capacity, gaining strength. And, and from that point, something of power is handed to us. You know, I think sometimes we sit and we think, we want God to move. We want him to do something. We want him to accomplish something. We want him to break through. Why isn't this happening here? Or why aren't these things occurring? And, I, and, and God was talking to me about this this week, and he was saying, you know, the things of greatest power are poured out on places that can handle it. And it's like, I think he's growing up in a maturity within a group of people that says, I don't need my gifts anymore. You can have them. I have everything I need. These can serve you. They don't need to serve me. And I think when that occurs in that place of maturity, I think something of power rises up in our gifts. And it's not the same as when I'm using those gifts for myself. You know, I can pick my gifts up in the hand of the flesh, and it's my capacity and my ability and my strength accomplishing what I can with who God made me to be for myself. When I don't need those anymore, I can take this life and I can say, God, you can have this life for your purpose. And he comes and my gifts in the hands of his spirit look something completely different than my gifts in the hands of the flesh. They are the same because the same person, but his spirit comes and brings a power in the place of weakness and something occurs that can't otherwise occur. And there's a maturing and a strengthening and a growing that God's power might occupy the gifts that he's placed in our life and something might be amplified when it becomes not about me, but about something bigger than me. And I think I'm really challenged by the things you're sharing this morning. And it's certainly intersecting for me and the things that God's, you know, that my unselfishness doesn't grow out of, uh, any other place than coming to his love to receive what I need and having a full cup that comes not needing something from the from Leela or Ella that they can't provide or from this family that they can't provide, but also seeing my complete dependence on what's placed around me. It's a fine line, isn't it? Because we could say all we need is God, but that's not true either, is it? Because he says there's a, a need for these gifts to adapt to each other and receive one another, and it's like, yeah, that's a process. That's a process, but... I really appreciate what you're sharing this morning, Curtis, and yeah, I appreciate the opportunity to see the people around us as powerful, gifted people who are contributing to the plan of God and see us continuing to mature in the space and place we are, that the powerful occupied, like that we become occupied as people by the Spirit of God for the purposes of God, and we become focused on that. You know, for one person to do that is a powerful thing, but for a for a group of gifts to come together and to be um, captivated by the idea that our lives could serve the purpose of God in a, in a gift symphony. I think that's a beautiful idea. It's a beautiful idea. So who's, who's, who, we're, we're worshiping, aren't we? Is that the case? Let's have it. Let's have it. Let's just, let's just pray. Father, we just thank you that you're raising up good things in this family. We thank you for the powerful and incredible people that you've placed and planted here. We just thank you for the words of truth that we've heard from your scripture this morning. We ask you to come and sow them deep into our hearts that they bear fruit. 
Father, that we come and receive uh, love from you that leads to an unselfish love, that leads to something of complete service of you and your purpose, that you truly could have these lives. Yeah, so we ask for a, a greater revelation of who you've made the people around us to be, of who you've made each one of us to be. And Father, then would you teach us to, to come to you for what we need, that you might have all that we are in this world. Father, we just thank you and just ask you to just come and activate these scriptures in our heart and that you would just show us the intersections in our own practical stories. We just thank you for the encouragement this morning is prayed in your name. Amen. Amen. Katie were having a conversation last night about everything that we've shared today and I just feel I feel to share a quick testimony as an encouragement uh, but also as a testimony to say that God's gonna do it again for so many more people and I, I was sharing yesterday uh, with some crew uh, just the stories that have eventuated into this moment today to, for me living here and for me to be a part of family and for me to embrace this belonging to a, a family, to belong to a, a body, if you will. And, you know, I was reflecting on the, the time that I first came into the Hanson house uh, when Marcel and Sophie invited me probably like four years ago now to come along to a life group, you know, and I was sharing yesterday that every Tuesday felt like a Christmas morning. <laughs> every, every, every week felt like a Christmas. Every week that I'd go, it was like, this is out of this world. It was, it was a kingdom reality embraced here on earth, where as in heaven, Jesus was establishing something and giving me an example of what family looked like. And, you know, just reflecting in our group now, it's like the gift of hospitality, Angie, that I've never been able to truly uh, give gratitude towards or thank openly and honor you thank, with, with my thanks to to the servant heart that you have to welcome all these people into your home. And as well as Rob, the, the wisdom that he carried to see a young orphan come into a home and to sit at a table and to share a meal and to share stories and to openly be comfortable with being who I am and being the broken mess that I, that I was for Rob to come in and one day we were having a conversation and he's like, we were having a joking conversation where he's like, Ash, when you come to my house, why do you do the dishes? <laughs> I was like, man, stupid question, bro. Like, obviously it's the kind thing to do. It's the honoring thing to do. It's the good thing to do. It's just what you do. But on the surface, it looked like a good thing. But deep in my heart, there was a, an insecurity of a, a young boy who needed a dad and needed a family to belong to at the table. But in my heart, 
it was very different heart posture to the secure attachment that Sophie would have had to doing the dishes out of a posture of love. But yet what seemed to be love in my heart was actually a deep-rooted insecurity to say, oh, please accept me. Please let me stay. Please let me come back. Don't kick me out. And in the loving environment of the hospitality and the wisdom to see my heart and posing a question and the, the gifts of encouragement and teaching and prophecy and all these things that I was surrounded by, everyone was playing their part for a young orphan to be a part of a home for the first time. But then to attach to family, God's family, the story continued where it's like, I came to realize that I couldn't belong to Jesus without belonging to his people. And in belonging to his people, Jesus brought about a freedom in my heart and is continuing to bring about a freedom where he could replace this orphan mentality and my orphan heart that says, well, I don't have a family because of the adversity and the brokenness of where I've come from, where we all come from, but yet God's invitation for me to now belong is a journey that now I'm embracing to receive his love. And I couldn't have gotten there without you guys. And I feel to share this as a testimony to take courage that God's going to do it again and again and again and again for the orphans that are just longing for a dad and longing for a a safe place to be seen and belong where you don't have to get up and do the dishes out of a fear, but rather you can just sit at the table in a secure belonging home that says, hey, you're welcome. I remember Rob come up to me at your guy's wedding and he just slapped me on the heart. You belong with the family. It's like, it, it, it brings up pain in, in me that says, I don't believe it. But then if Jesus was to come up to me and slap me on the heart, you belong with the family, would I run from him? Or would I embrace him? And my invitation nowadays is to embrace the fear and the pain to say, Jesus, what do you say? And to connect to those alone places. And I think this is my honor for all of you for allowing this broken young man to embrace a, a safe place for the first time that I could embrace that with Jesus. So thank you all, eh? Yeah. Yeah, I love you too. I really do. Let's keep worshiping. I just want to invite everyone to maybe stand up and worship with us for, yeah, just before lunch, eh? Hey?